For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. E.D. Yo. Man. Say it ain't so, E.D. Say it ain't so. Not Radio Raheem, man. Not Radio Raheem. So, so we're going to find out if you can live without your radio. This is the Believe in 49ers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He is Super Bowl champion Eric Davis. I'm Rashawn Haylock. Uh, plenty to get to on this show. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. We're located wherever you listen to or download your podcast. Make sure you give us a review, give us a rating, hit that like button, depending on who your subscription service is. Hit us up on social media. I'm at R Haylock. He's at underscore Eric Davis underscore on Twitter. And then on IG at Watch Ray Ray. And he's at underscore Bump and Run. We're going to talk a little bit of Radio Raheem on this one. Raheem Mostert uh, requesting a trade. That's big news. Um, Patrick Mahomes, meanwhile, got paid, E.D. Oh, oh. How how does that affect the Niners? We're going to talk about that. Uh, And Richard Sherman, nice article, uh, Richard Sherman with, with Jim Trotter. Talking about coaching and and the coaches that he he's been uh, led by in the NFL, uh, namely Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan. Pete Carroll has that cover three defense. You played in that ED, so we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit uh, as well. Um, as well as Deshaun Jackson, he had some uh, he had he had a post that um, didn't go over well to say the least. Um, you think? Yeah. Uh, but first, uh, Radio Raheem, man. So I, you know, I I thought this could happen. I really, really did. I thought we'd get to a point where, you know, you know, maybe, you know, him coming off that season, maybe, you know, money wasn't right or, or you know, he, he would want some sort of a restructure, some sort of a new deal. Well, here it goes. Now, the, the deal isn't what he wants it to be. He wants out. He's requested a trade, according to reports. Um, it's the business and with this uh-huh. Niners team, as, as much talent as they have, you knew there would be at least a couple of those dominoes. A little bit surprised it didn't come till, uh, you know, start of July. Um, but yeah, here we are, Ed and Radio Raheem wants out. Uh, well, this is what happens when you win. Absolutely, you're going to lose some players, uh, but you also have to just evaluate who you're going to keep, who who's going to be a part of your core. Remember what we say: you can't play everybody. Can't play so everybody. You got your core guys. You got your core guys. And you're going to identify those guys, and you're going to pay those guys accordingly. Now, they're going to be hierarchy within that core. Your quarterback's going to make more than everybody. That's just that's a given, just because of the nature of the position. But we've we've had these discussions on the tight end position, and it's and it's overall value to win that championship. You know, guard positions, pass rushes, corners. Oh, so you're going to have all that. So now you're going to identify these guys. Um, I, I you know what, man, you, I, I. Don't want to sound. You know, I, I got to be being blunt about it. Just being real about it. Brady Raheem is not one of those guys. Oh, oh, he's not. I, I, it's, this is not the time you, you, to flex. You, you're talking to my heart right now, Ed. This, it, this, this, I know you love him as a player. I like him on this squad. I really appreciate what he did last year. But remember, what is a contract? 
think about it. And how high that bridge is going to be built is going to be based on the things that you have done and the perception and expectations of what you are capable of doing on the other side of that bridge. That's what you get paid on because it's all potential. So every contract is, is what, what's the potential. So that's that bridge. How do you build that bridge and how high that bridge is going to be and how much is that bridge going to be worth? Well, radio fact of the matter is you've been on, been in the league how many years and on how many teams in what role that is a part of the negotiation. One good, one good year doesn't mean that one good year leading the lead doesn't mean that you are the guy who is going to lead the lead, that you are the guy who has been leading the lead, that you are the guy who I expect to lead the league again in any category. Yeah, so he led the he led the league in yards per carry last year, right? Also yeah. led, led the team uh, in rushing uh, mm-hmm. and he had 10 touchdowns, had five uh-huh. touchdowns in the postseason. Um Coming off of a year in, in which uh, it was really unexpected. I mean, I don't think anybody expected this from him. He kind there of just, just came onto the scene. Exactly. Um, no, no, no. So, so think about everything that you just said. All I, all I want to add to it is he led the league. He led the league in yards per carry. He led the team in all of these things. And he wasn't in the plans to do any of that. Any of that. He did all of that by default. So now is not the time to flex. It's not the time. Come back and play. You've been on all these different teams. You've been cut year after year after year and not given opportunities. You're in a position where you've been given an opportunity. And why is it not time to flex? Who else is going to pay you that money? Okay, well, how about this, ED? How, uh, is this a leverage play, right? They got rid of Breida. Obviously, it looks like Radio Raheem is a part of their plans, right, by getting rid of Breida. You got McKinnon on um, on a, on a lesser deal, restructured deal, but he hasn't played in 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 some uh two seasons. So is this a situation where he's like, all right, clearly you see me as the guy, so maybe I should earn more than this two point five seven five you're supposed to give me in twenty twenty? Oh, he has no leverage. You don't so think he has leverage? You don't think he has leverage? No, no, because because nobody else in the league is going to give you more than that. Nobody else. That's that. Your the leverage is not with your team. Your leverage is wanting. It's somebody else wanting to date you. Somebody else has to want to date you before you can sit here and say I'm going to leave and go to them. And that's the issue. He has not been. You understand? He has been in the league. This is what. This will be eight years now. Yeah. And he had that one year. So let me just put it to you this way. If a guy has been so, – so forget the player. If I just tell you that someone had one good season and seven okay seasons, in this case I can say seven nondescript seasons but one good season, are you looking at that as a good player at any position? If I say – if I did just – he had seven nondescript seasons at running back, at tight end, at wide receiver, at quarterback – and then he had one good season, so now it's time for his contract. Does he deserve high-end contract, top-end contract? Does he have leverage? Pro- prob- pro- I mean, probably not. I don't have the comps. I want to say, I want to say it's happened well, before. No, like, there's been no, a situation like me. this before. 
But I but hear what you're saying, though. Well, yeah, because that's the thing about it. Too, that it's not even a, the question of the comp. You got to look at it from a business standpoint. And from the business side of it, it's what is your value to this team? What is your worth to this team? And your worth to this team is higher anywhere else. That's why I say it's a bad flex. Your worth to this team is higher. It's about timing where you're going to get your money. And that's why I said he doesn't have leverage now. So his now, worth to the Niners is higher than his worth with any other team in the league is what you're saying. Yes, yes, because he had because he's right in a now, situation. He's, he's RB one right now. But thank you. So you're in a situation to where you are that guy. Guess what happens if you remain that guy this season? Now you can flex. He's flexing too soon. Too That's soon. the issue that I have with it. That I'm saying that you got to think about from a business standpoint. It's too soon for you to start trying to say I'm the man. You just got you got your first opportunity in seven years of football. It's going to be eight years of football. This is the only offensive coordinator, head coach that has said, I will give you the chance. And you're going to flex on him before you've even shown him you can go back to back. You got to at least go back to back before I can believe everybody can have a good year. Anybody can do the hell. Chip Kelly came in one game in the NFL. <laughs> He's not an NFL coach. Come on, man. Any, anybody can do it for a year, but you got to go back to back when people are planning for you, game planning. We know this guy has the speed. We know he's a straight ahead guy. Can you still get all these things done? Radio has been a special team guy. He's been a special. He's been a teamer. Yeah, he's a team. He's, he's, he, his whole career, he's been a team's guy. He's, he's a team's guy. He's a team's guy. So why why am I going to pay you? Why am I going to pay you like a high end running back? Why why am I even going to have this discussion with you right now? Because at the end of the day, you you may think that you have that spot. But you're still fighting for a roster spot because there are some guys around this league where some things could happen, and I could bring some of these other guys in. Mm. There are other guys. There there are the Freemans out there that can come and run this system, mm. and they are viewed as higher RB1. prestige. Yeah, higher higher prestige. Um, yes, we're, we're going to yes. follow this. Obviously, I mean, this is something, of course, to watch and and during this off season, which has been unlike any other in in NFL history. Uh, I'm hopeful though this this thing gets resolved somehow, some way, and he remains in the colors. But yeah, we shall too. see. Richard Sherman, he he he's played for uh, Pete Carroll and now playing for Kyle Shanahan, and and he had some uh, very interesting thoughts about Shanahan and and, and playing with him. Um, one thing he said about Pete Carroll, though, and I'll, I'll touch on that first before we get to the whole Shanahan thing. Um, he, he talked about how the positivity that that Pete Carroll brings and and how that just kind of uh, you know invigorates the room. But he also talked about that cover three and. Um, he says so. A lot of teams have been been trying to duplicate it, but no one's really been able to replicate what it is that they do or what they've done with with that cover three. You know, when he had that time, you know, with his Legion of Boom days up in Seattle. What what makes it so tough, Ed? Having played in it, um, why is it so difficult for other other teams to try to duplicate? Uh, it goes beyond. Um, it goes beyond just the scheme. Um, cover three, the cover three scheme is, is really simple. I mean, you got an eight man front, you got three, three guys deep. It, it is what it is. Uh, so it's designed to prevent a team from throw, from running the football. That's, that's what you're going to be. You're going to be sound. Um, you're going to try to make a, a club one dimensional. Uh, but in doing so, you're going to put a lot of pressure on your secondary. 
because you got to cover those 53 yards back there. And it to, and to cover that because that field is almost 53 yards wide, and you have to be able to cover cover the width and the depth with for the most part with three guys. So the difficulty comes in having guys that number one can perform and hold up one on one in space. You got to have multiple guys that can do that that at a hot for it to for it to work at a high level. You got to have that. The second part is that you got to have multiple guys, not just in your secondary, not just in your defensive back group, but in your linebacking core as well, because that becomes the part of your secondary uh, because they are going to have to carry the scenes and the corners and things like that. So you have to have you have to have that entire secondary linebackers and DBs understand the defense, football, spacing. Um, offensive schemes, you know, route recognition. And you got to get a lot of guys that can understand all of those things. You can find, if you can find that, if you can get a group of guys that understand ball like that and mesh together, you, you got something that's, that's great. Uh, it, you, you know, Sherm did it up there. I was 25 in Pete Carroll's defense for the 49ers. That's why I know exactly what he's talking about. I, I played the exact same position um, for him that uh, Sherm did up in um, Seattle for him. And I had the same type guys around me. I mean, you look at the linebackers that they had up there, you look at the safeties and um, I, I will, I will take, I will take Tim McDonald and Merton Hanks with um, Cam Chancellor and, um, and um, Earl Thomas. I mean, you know, when you talk about playmaking ability and understanding of football and, you know, the old intimidation factor and, and being able to do all the things, and so I, 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 that that happened. The same with our linebacking core. When you look at the KJ Wrights and the Bobby Wagners and the guys that they had underneath that could run with coverage and play in space. I mean, I had that with Lee Woodall and 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 uh, Ken Norton. Also, I'm saying you you have you have to have the bodies to do it because it, it's it's a simple scheme. It, it really is, but it call it can cause a, an offense trouble because, as I said, you you try to make them one dimensional and. And um, it's amazing to me, and I remember this, and then we can move on from this, but I remember early on, um, and this was, I mean, like when I say early on, this is before anybody knew who Richard Sherman was, before he had done anything. I talked to Pete Carroll, and this was uh, in Richard's first preseason, and I was talking to um, Pete Carroll, and and he started telling me about, he was like, E, I got some corners. He was like, I, he was like, I got these guys, and he was like, they shouldn't be able to get it right now. And he said, I just keep putting it on them. And he was like, I keep putting it on them. And he said, and they just keep getting it. And he was like, especially, he was like, especially, and he pointed to Sherm. He was like, the kid there, twenty five. He said, everything I throw on him, he just gets it. He was like, he understands it, so I throw more on him. And he was like, you know how it is. He was like, let's give him more since he can do that. Let's give him more. And he was like, he gets it. And he's like, I don't know where it's going to max out. But he said, but I do think he's got a shot. <laughs> and yeah. that was and yeah, he, early he, on. He picked, he picked it up. And that, that was still the beginning stages of his corner career. He, uh -huh. he went to Stanford as a wide receiver. And he, he played on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I, I want to say he played two years on the defensive side of the ball, maybe three. Um, but he he was he he was he was there as a wide receiver, and so you know him making that change over to uh, to, to the defense side of the ball obviously um, paid dividends for him and and allowed him to uh, you know thrive there, and he ended up making it to the NFL.
One of the things Richard Sherman also talked about with Kyle Shanahan was his loyalty, but not just the loyalty, the the specificity of the loyalty in a sense. Is that a word? I'm up here making up words oh, in the English, right. English language. That's, that, that's um, all right. It, it, in, in the sense that the guys that are with him are guys that have been with him since, you know, his graduate assistant days mm-hmm. or early assistant days. And so there's a cohesion, you know, in, in that in that and on that coaching staff. I, I want you to put your coaching hat on, E.D. If, if you're hiring your staff, what are some things that that you are going to want that you're going to look for? Um, when, when trying to hire a staff so that you guys can get that cohesion. Because Sherm's big point was, you know, he he may be in a room with Kyle for 30 minutes a day. But with his position mm-hmm. coach, you know, that's that's who guys spend the majority of their time with. Yeah, well, first of all, if, you in the, if you're in the room with your head coach 30 minutes a day, you've done something wrong <laughs> um, because you had to go see the principal. You're, I, I, I was never around my head coach that long. So, so you the thing about it, is that you? You're gonna look for teachers. If I'm if I'm a, if I'm the head coach and I am looking for a staff, I want teachers. I want I want uh, guys with personality that are expert. I mean I mean PhDs in football at their position, but they know how to relay the message that I have as a coach in a different voice. I need different voices. I don't need the players to hear exactly what it is i'm saying again you know what i mean i don't need that recall absolutely because because they heard it from me so now you know these guys you know these individuals i want you to go in and work with them and now not only and it's not one separate voice for mine that i need i need multiple voices multiple personalities uh because the db room is different than the wide receiver room which is different than the d-line room which is different than um, you know, the linebackers, you, it's different than the yeah. running backs. Them D-line, the them D-line coaches are something else, man. Oh, I've yeah. been around and a the, few. The personalities are different. The, the guys that you're dealing with, the mindset of those guys. So you need a different voice that can relate to those guys, but also convey the exact, not partial, the exact message and philosophy that the head coach has. And that's that's what you look for in a staff. And that's what happens. And when you get that and you were talking about when you get that, you get this trust. And when you get that trust going both ways, uh, Tom Homo was my coach. And that's what when I when I was, um, you know, we, when he, when Tom Homo was the, the coach, I mean, he had myself, he had Merton Hanks, he had Dion, he had, you know, Tim McDonald. We had all been there for a while. Even when Dion left, we were still there. And Tom would come into the meetings at times after we broke off into our position groups and he come into the meeting room and be like, guys, okay, I know what they just installed. And when we were in the meeting, I, I voiced to them that you guys will probably want to play this differently. This is what they want. Now, how do you guys see it? See, that's, that's the kind of trust he had in that. Cause we would just, we would sit there and tell him, okay, this is what we're going to do. And there would even be times where we would be doing things at practice and we'd go in and watch the film afterwards, and Tom would be like, please tell me what it is you guys were doing and why you guys decided to do it that way so I can explain it to him upstairs. So that's And that's what I'm saying about understanding the guys, the philosophy, what it is, the trust you and that's have. That's the trust, yeah, that's, that's, and that's yeah, quite a and bit it, of trust. There. And, that's, and, and that's, that's where we were. And, and, I mean, you know, one of those teams, when Tom, the Tom was there, one of those teams won the Super Bowl, and, then, and the other one was the number one defense in the league. Mm. So – so, so the trust, what, that's what I'm saying, it goes both ways. So that's, that's the thing about it. You know, Sherman's talking about that coaching staff and those guys getting through and putting a group of guys together. Um, 
uh, because I, you know me, I'm a big, big philosophy guy. It's, it's not about wanting to win. Everybody wants to win. How are you going to win? What is your plan? What is the thing that is the foundation of your organization and, and what the guys have to have to buy into? That's what your coaching staff has to be able to believe in, get through to the guys. And once you know they get it, trust them. Trust, Trust that they get it, yes. Speaking of Believe, this is the Believe in 49ers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He is Super Bowl champion Eric Davis. I'm Rashawn Haylock. Hit us up on Twitter at Haylock, and he's at underscore Eric Davis underscore. And on Instagram, at Watch Ray Ray and at underscore Bump and Run. Um, the NFL PA and the NFL, it's interesting to see how – how much they get at odds or how serious this thing gets. If you're a baseball fan, you saw just how ugly, I guess, it could get with the players wanting to play more games and the owners not wanting to play as many games. Well, it's almost reverse here in the NFL where the Players Association wants to eliminate uh the last two remaining preseason games. If you're if you're with us last week, we talked about how um, you know they they cut the preseason in half from four games to two for most teams, unless you were supposed to play in that Hall of Fame game, then then you get five. But um, and the PA wants to get rid of the they want to eliminate the preseason altogether. Um, is this union strong enough to be able to get that done? And possibly, well, just answer that first, and then and I'll have a comment for that is the union strong enough to get it done yeah are, are they are um, they strong enough to win that argument um well it goes just beyond just the union because it's not just the union right now uh, if it's if it's simply just the union are they strong enough to get that done no uh, the union combined with the, um, the forces of nature COVID, um and and illness possibilities uh, and the possibility of a, a bad preseason with uh, multiple outbreaks on teams shutting down the season then you 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 have strength in that yeah if that's if that's your argument so that so so but just the if if the union was strong enough to walk in and say we are not playing any preseason games there wouldn't have been preseason games when i was playing (laughs) (laughs) very true very true And, and to your point i i think I think it may be a situation where it, it, it may be a win for the PA just by default, right? Like, I, I think we're getting closer and closer to a situation now where it's like, okay, you know, preseason just may not happen, right? And, and you, uh, you yeah. may have to – like, you may have to get to a point where you you could possibly start condensing the regular season, you know. If, I was just about to say yeah. you may get to a season where – get to a, um, a point where the season is not happening. Yeah, so – um, I don't I don't know if that's even worth arguing about uh, because because the, this is the other thing that's going to happen. Um, the way things are happening and just remember this, the way things are happening and moving forward, you're going to have owners, no matter how much money they have, you're going to have these owners trying to recoup some of this money that they're losing this season. So if you go in, uh, teams are saying that we're going to if we go to camp, we're going to go to camp with less uh, less bodies. That's one thing you're hearing. You're hearing um, a shortened preseason. So if you start to have a shortened preseason, if you have less bodies, um, you, there are going to be less opportunities for guys to to make teams. There, there are going to be less individuals being given an opportunity, and that could carry forward. So you got to start being careful what you wish for. You really do. Yeah, yeah. Because you you can't come back later 
and saying we need to increase the roster and we need to have more guys and more opportunities when you were saying we won't we don't want to play these games we don't want to do this because the flip side is that is going from ownership they're going to start saying well we can't really truly evaluate these guys and see if they're good enough and and why pay them if they're not good enough so it's a can of, it's a can of worms you're opening up um we i mean we 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 shall see i mean i think i mean the NFL has kind of been one the one league that hasn't really They've they pretty much acted, uh, you know, as if nothing really was going on. I mean, they made a few oh, adjustments. Yeah. Well, they've made a few adjustments was, with the draft and and whatnot, making that virtual. Yeah. But they, they've kind of the yeah, yeah. It, it, it was the off season, and they kind of yeah. they kind of stood, they kind of stood packed to that. They were they were pretty strong in their convictions in the sense that you know they felt like the season would go on and and, and they would have fans this that and the other. And yeah. so now and you're, you're going to so. see some adjustments made. Yeah. But, well, you have to now because, at the, you know, the third week of July is when football starts. Mm-hmm. So until you hit the third week of July, no, you know, no harm, no foul. We'll see what happens then because that's when you, you, you start when, when the, the clock, when the calendar turns to July 20-something, it's time for football. Yeah. And, you know, so guys guys know that. The league knows that. So let's just see. But I, I think there, there there's going to be some missed time. Yeah, so we, we, we shall see. Um, sticking around the league, Deshaun Jackson obviously had some oh. anti-Semitic. Uh, oh. He had a post um, that that he that he had, and um, he since apologized about it. But uh, any time you're quoting Hitler, and some people are saying, well, mm-hmm. it wasn't the real Hitler, it was a fake Hitler, but regardless of the fact, any time you're doing that, probably not necessarily a good idea. Um and he's since apologized about it, but um, it it's you got Black Lives Matter and you got all this stuff that's going on and all the progress that was kind of you know trying to be made here you know amongst people of color, and then I don't to me I, it was kind of a step back. Um, it, it it kind of it 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 put a it put a dark spot on some of the progress that had been made up to this point. Um, well, you know, I keep the same energy up. That's what I say, because it just shows that there's still a need to educate. Um, there's still a need to understand um, and move beyond some of the ignorance. As you said, if you're you know, it's never good to invoke um, in your argument, Hitler. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's 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 just never good. And if you throw in there, well, it was the fake Hitler that makes it even worse. Um, because, and by that, I mean, when you start to throw in where guys, there's this, this is the thing you and I have talked about this before. There's a project that I, that I started to have going on and it's up and going now and it's, and it's for kids and, and adults and everything. It's called athlete brand guard. So you guys listen, go, please go on, go on to athletebrandguard.com. And this is a part of it. It's about teaching you athletes have to understand that you, um, that being a role model is a choice. Being a role model is a choice, but being an influencer is a part of the game. So you are going to influence society. You know, Deshaun Jackson's ball player, very good ball player. You got a million guys. So educate. You have the right to say it's the same thing and the same. And that's what I'm saying. I have the same energy I have for Drew Brees. You have the right to say how you feel, what it is. Uh, but now you you better educate yourself in private before you start publicly putting these things out there because you're going to influence the masses. And as you just said right now, you say it's a step backwards. 
you feel it's insecure because you're you're going to influence one way or the other because those that information is going to get out there. So that's what guys have to start doing. You have to start understanding um, who you're talking to, um, what it is you want to say, and not have to immediately go back. You know, don't go from I will never until you know my bad. And I should have known and I'm going to educate myself because that's that's his next comment. And that's today's day. I am going to educate myself on this segment of society. I'm going to educate myself more on it. Don't you think it's a good idea to do that before you start speaking out? Yeah. yeah. About, and and, that, and that's yeah. the that's the kind of the issue with today's generation. And, and we, we talked about um, well, I don't necessarily want to say today's generation more the times that we live in today, right? And and we, mm-hmm. we've talked about Herm Edwards a lot on this show. And, and he, he always, his thing was, you know, think before you hit send, right? Yeah. And, and in this social media age that we live in, anything you hit send on is going to be seen. And so... Yeah, you know, especially you, when you when you're a professional athlete, because yeah. that, that's what I said. You, you are an influencer by occupation, whether you choose to be or not. <laughs> if you if you if you um, are playing a professional sport, you're going to have a blue check by your name, whether you want it or not. And everything that you do is going to be paid attention to everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, I, you know, whether whether you want it, whether you want that attention or you whether you want to be that target or not. I mean, it, it that's just what it is. You know, that that's kind of what you what, what you sign up for. And so. Um, but when you hit sin, no, that's going to be seen by a lot of people and, and, and it may be too late to, you know, it, it's yeah. going to be too late to retract it. Um, uh, and- well, but you know what? He did apologize. Um, he did say he's going to educate himself. He is going, and it may be something again, like in all of this, I would say it's, it's, it's not necessarily hate. A lot of times it's ignorance and you think you're doing something, but you have to, and that's just it. You can now educate yourself into something and and, you know, and hopefully Deshaun is going to get smarter. And this may make some others get smarter because you may look at some of the words and some of the statements that have been put out there uh, piggybacking off of this. And, you know, the comments and the follow ups and it may may make someone do a little bit more research because you cannot you cannot do your research on Instagram and Twitter. Trust me. Wait, you mean you mean Twitter lies? <laughs> you can't. So I'm going to say it again. Please go to athletebrandguard.com. Please go. Twi- you, wait, you tw- Twitter, Twitter lies? No uh, way. Twi- uh, you, you, uh, you didn't hear from me. No you did not way. hear from me. No way. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I, I like Deshaun. Full disclosure. I mean, he's you know he he's a local local guy from right here. Been seeing him since his high school days. Um. And so it's yes. just, it's just yes. one of those things where, you know, just, you know, you just need better judgment. And the same thing with, with, with Drew Brees, you know what I mean? Like you talked about it, you know, just better judgment before coming out and saying things or posting things or tweeting things or whatnot. Um, and, and, and if I can just take, make it just even broader or just go bigger picture here, I think it's another prime example of, of, instance in which we all need to educate ourselves right like every exactly. everyone like like exactly. not like not just Deshaun, but like all of us i'm talking about black people white people brown people um you know whoever you know we we all could do better in educating educating ourselves and and i think that's you know that that's a big part of the battle in terms of when you talk about you know just racism and inequality and, and things that have been 
um, kind of hammered home over the course of the last couple of months here. Like with with education, I think we can all be better people and, and have a better understanding of not just ourselves, but have a better understanding of, you know, our counterparts uh, as well of, of different creeds or different races or nationalities or what have you. Um, so I, I think it's it's a learning lesson in that for sure. Um, before we get out of here, uh, man, I mean – how would you like to be Pat Mahomes' agent? I mean, <laughs> just, oh. just to get, oh, oh, that, just to get, a, just his to get a, sa- a sample of that contract, right? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm mad as I'm mad as agent. Lee was my agent. I'm like, why, uh, <laughs> why didn't you do that for me? Like, man, Lee. Like, at one point, Lee could have shut the 49ers down. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. Why? Lee Steinberg was the agent, and at one time. Okay, and I'm going to do this quickly on offense. On the offense, at the same time now, he was representing all of us. On offense, he had Steve Young, mm. he had Brent Jones, the starting tight end, he had Ricky Waters, the the running back. I think he had um, Steve Wallace, the starting um, left tackle. Tackle, yeah. Um, um, that was on the offense, and Jesse Sapolo, I believe. He had Jesse, who was the center. He had um, or the guard. He had Jesse. Okay, that's on offense. On defense. He had me, Tim, Merton Hanks <laughs> mm. in the secondary. Okay. Um, he had Lee Woodall, outside linebacker. He had Ken Norton, uh, the linebacker. Um, um that this was at one time. Wow. This was this was, I mean, I he could have he could have literally just said, um, guys, I'm gonna get you a Pat Mahomes contract. Don't show up. But he didn't do it, so I'm mad at it. But I'm not bad at Pat. But I, Pat, yeah, that changed things it, it, it dramatically. Ch- changes changes things a lot. Um, so it's a ten year extension, and there's debate over uh, whether it's 450 million or 503 million. Um, uh, it, they, no, no, no. Let me stop the debate. It's 140 million dollars guaranteed. Contract. Yeah, it's 140 because million guaranteed. 100, 140 million is guaranteed. Everything after that, people understand, is monopoly money. So what has happened, that's why I say it changes things. Now you have a guy that has almost been guaranteed. So the next guy should be able to, to guarantee $150 million. And now this is going to change. So that that is – and I know we're talking crazy numbers, but now it's going to be like basketball and football. That's what he just did. Because the, ten, the years, I guarantee you, Kansas City did not lock themselves into Patrick Mahomes for 12 years. There are outs in this contract. Because if Patrick Mahomes starts playing like trash in the next couple of seasons, believe me, they will move on. They won't pay him yeah. fifty million a year. They'll move on, um, and they and because that's just the game. But one hundred and forty million dollars—that's what this deal really is. That's real money. Yeah, I mean that's it—it's—it's it, it's been marketed as the richest contract in pro sports. Nope, um, that's not. That's not. That's, 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 that's not Bryce. necessarily. Yeah, that's not necessarily accurate. Um, yeah. How Bryce? Bryce has four hundred million guaranteed. Yeah, that's, that's the richest contract. Yeah, that. Yeah, Bryce Harper. Yeah, he got paid when he he went to Philly. Um. Yeah, he's how, wealthy. So how, how? So how does this affect? How does this affect? How does it affect things going forward? Um. And, and let's look at it from a Niners perspective, right? Like, like, like George Kittle, for example. Like, so many people have talked about him getting that. 20 million dollar a year and i think we kind of squashed that you know last week we talked about perhaps in the 13 million dollar range but um how how does how does this affect things uh going forward especially from from a niners perspective you look at kittle you look at trent williams you look at jimmy g if he's able to duplicate 
or take it a step further than what, what he did last season? Um, well, the way I see this, the numbers were eventually going to get there. Uh, but if you look at the numbers that this contract has created, you have, what, a $50 million quarterback cap figure? Yeah. Wise. So you started to look at that. You're going to – so now where quarterbacks were in the 25 to $30 million range and you were like, okay, that's good, that's, that's really good, that number is now about to jump 35, 40, 45. So – so you're going to have to start putting that much money into that position. So if you got to put that money into the quarterback, you're going to put that money into you got to put a bunch of money into the left tackle to put, protect him, correct? Mm-hmm. And then, unless you're Miami, then you got to put it into the right tackle. And then, other than that, you're going to um, have to then you're going to start putting it into pass rushers. So a pass rusher is now going to be a premium position, which is going to increase because now you you lost Buck because. Uh, you didn't want to pay him $22 million. Those guys are going to start getting 25 to 30 uh, because that becomes a premium position. If you got a, if you got a $50 million quarterback, you got to pay the guy that's going to get him on the ground. So that's going to happen. Uh, so when that number raises, so you start to look at that tackle, that, that rusher position, the quarterback position. Of course, the other skill positions are going to gradually come up, but there are some positions like the guard. Your, your right guards, are not, you know, your guards aren't going to make a bunch of money unless they are just like the highest end guys. You're tight end. I still say it. You can't pay your tight end that crazy money. So in some areas, it opened up the ceiling, that pass rusher, your tackles, your quarterback. It's opening the ceiling. I think it's I think it's creating a ceiling for some of those other positions that you can look at and say, well, I know I need them. And having killed having the best tight end in the league is a good thing. But you are going to say, can I win a Super Bowl without the best tight end in the league, without the best guard in the league? You, you know what I'm saying? Can I can I win it with without without the best um, defensive tackle? And you're going to start asking yourself those things. And and that's how I say it, it affects everyone else because this long term deal like this, it just it made the it made those numbers jump. You know, exponentially, it, it, there's always a slight increase, but they don't expect it. You know, you, you know, Dak was trying to get 35. Yeah. D- you know, if, if they had offered if they had offered Dak 35 a year, um, I think he would have signed a long time ago. And now now Dak is Dak is going to be like, you know, I, I saw people put it out there as a joke, but Dak is gonna be like, give me a billion. Why not? <laughs> And I know people go, and everyone's like, he's not that good. He's not that. He's he's the quarterback of the most popular franchise in the sport. He has done nothing but performed well for them. They win when he's out there. It's the whole it's the whole franchise conversation that we had. They are better with him than without him. He has shown that. And say what you want to say about this other guy that they got backing him up. Everyone's like, well, what if he doesn't show up, this guy's going to play. Really? Mm. Really? Dalton? What? Really? <laughs> Come on, people. Was there ever any weird language in your contract, like things you couldn't do? No, no, no. Well, because I, I hadn't back then, they didn't put it in until you did something. And it's probably still that same way now. Uh, but, you know, so and by that, I mean, like if, if you had if you rode motorcycles and had injuries, if you had you were in a wreck and it was something that was um, 
consistently happening where you were having issues that cost you playing time. They put in your contract, you can't ride a motorcycle. Or if you played pickup ball and you you got hurt, uh, they wouldn't let you do it. Um, I played with one guy that would get hurt, but he would get injured uh, surfing. So they was like, you know, you can't surf. Like, you you know, we really need you to play, so we'd appreciate you not drowning. Um, <laughs> so yeah. just, just things like that. So I, I rode bikes, and, you know, I I went down. They didn't know about it. Went down to off-season, and I was healthy by the time it was Bikes like, came dirt, back. like dirt bikes or like motorcycles? Yeah, uh, or? Harleys, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so two types of riders, bro. Two types of riders, the ones that have been down and the ones that are going down. Mm. <laughs> you, ride, you ride long enough, you're going to go down. Um, yeah, they, I, there, there was an image of me uh, as a little boy as an accident right by my house. It an image I would never be able to uh, to wipe away um, from my mind. Uh, just seeing where the motorcycle was and seeing where the guy landed, uh, it was yeah. uh, it, it was something else. Oh yeah, yeah. The first the first death I ever saw in my life um, was that of a, a friend from the neighborhood. Um, got him cowed, got killed on his motorcycle. Wow! And I was and I was standing right there with him, him looking me straight in my eyes as he died. Oh. He got almost ripped in two. Um, I don't want to give too many graphic details, but yeah. it was. But um, but yeah. So, but yeah, no. So I, I did that. I went down. I was, I was very fortunate. It was it was it was the only time the absolute only time in my riding life that i wore a full helmet the only time i ever had a full helmet on i was riding another friend's bike david actually david whitmore on his ninja um he had this ninja and i always rode harleys he wanted to ride my harley i jumped on his ninja and i was on his ninja now the, the difference between a ninja and a harley other than the style is the noise that it makes people know when you're there with the harley which is why i always liked it because uh, that rumble, you can they can hear yeah. it. It's safer. You you hear it. You start to look for it. I was on his ninja, and I was coming in. And what happened? Someone just tried to they um, switch lanes. I was in Fremont, um, um, going down the main road in Fremont, and the lady just started switching lanes. And she just came over all the way over, and and as she and I saw her coming, and she came over. She just sort of pinned me on the side. She just didn't see me, and and she was about to clip my front tire, and I kicked this out of a car trying to where she could hit it. I kicked it with my left leg. And she steeled in here, so she clipped the front, the front of my, um, the front of the bike. She clipped the front tire, and and when she did that, it sort of, it sort of rocked me over to the side because the steering wheel turned uh, really fast, the handlebar turned really fast. So I saw this intersection coming, and I and I and I started to try. I was like, if I can make this curve, and I wasn't going crazy fast. I was you know, fifty something, and I was in a, if I can make this, if I can make the turn. I knew I had a shot. So if I make the turn, I got a shot. I knew I still was going to sort of clip the, the median. Um, but I was like, if I, if I can get there, I can do it. And I realized that I wasn't going to be able to make it. We were just going too fast, and she was going to keep coming over. And, um, and and I couldn't gain control of it. So I, I just put my um, legs up. So I, I just put my feet on the spikes, and I just held on. And it's the funny thing, and I, and I think it's because I played football, that – you know, we always talk about how things slow down. Yeah, I did. I didn't panic while it was going on. It, I was kind of thinking through it, and I vividly remember saying, "Okay, like keep your keep your feet on, keep your feet on, keep your hands on." Because I know if you hit that pavement, it's it's unforgiving. <laughs> that pavement is unforgiving. Yeah. You're coming up to, and um, and so I held on, and and I I held on, and I was tried. I tried to lean it and make the curve, and I knew I couldn't make the curve, and I was like, "Okay, you got to let it go, Eric. You got to let it go because." And I, I, I'm, I'm giving you this long story because this is the detail in my mind. 
Uh, and I was like, okay, you got to let it go because if you don't let it go, you're you're not gonna make the curve, and when you hit that medium, you're gonna the medium you're gonna flip over and it's gonna break your leg. So you gotta let the bike go. Oh. And I let the bike go, and I, I I let the bike go, and I hit the ground, and I started rolling, and when, and as I rolled over, I saw the bike slide, and hit the curb, and it flipped over, and I remember thinking, okay, you're right, you would have broken your leg, and and as I was doing that, now remember, I'm on the ground still. Yeah probably going 50 miles per hour and I smacked my face into that, into the side of that curve. I smacked my, I went face first. The, remember I told you, I started this story by saying the only time in my riding life, I rode bikes for decades. The only time I ever wore a full helmet, I went face first into that curve. Um, I was all cut all inside my mouth and nose. All inside. I would have killed myself. Whoa. Uh, but guess what? The Niners never knew about it. <laughs> so, so it was never in my contract. <laughs> Wait, like, was it? This was like early off season. I take it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think this was. And this was probably my. This is probably like my third year in the league, third, fourth year, something like that. Because before, they, well, before David, the Super Bowl, David. Yeah, David Whitmore was the safety there. So this was probably like ninety two, maybe ninety one, ninety two, oh, something wow. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I I asked mm-hmm. that question. Pat Mahomes was asked. And he said he's he sure he probably can't play basketball, probably can't play baseball, uh-huh. um, no jet skiing. Uh, uh-huh. And he said pretty much every <laughs> – this is a quote – pretty much every physical activity you could possibly do. Uh, so he said he'll probably be sticking with football and video games for now. And yeah. uh, he'll be and, and rightfully so for it. Yeah. Well, he because he has a full $140 million guarantee for injury. Yeah. So they're yeah. they're like, if you get injured, it's gonna be on the field. It's gonna be on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so that's that. Uh, we learned that Ed uh is a rider of motorcycles and, and got, not anymore, man. Got in a big time accident that the Niners never knew about, which is no, not anymore, man. I, I, I mean, got that's kind of that's kind of gangsta on your part, though. I mean, and, oh. <laughs> and, and, and no, all. man. I always. I mean, they knew I rode. I mean, I rode to work. I, I rode all the time, but so they knew I rode. But I um. Yeah, I got rid of I got rid of my um, last bike maybe two years ago, mm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh man, well this has been fun. This has been Believe in Forty Niners <laughs> podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. We're located wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, you can hit us up on social media on Twitter at our Haylock, and he's at underscore Eric Davis underscore, and also on Instagram at Watch Ray Ray and at underscore Bump and Run. Hope all y'all had a, a happy and safe Fourth. Um, I was in the middle of uh, – there's a lot going on around here, E.D. I, 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 it was, I, it, I was getting it from both sides. Poor baby couldn't sleep or nothing, man. It was it was, it was was crazy. It was, But, um, but yeah, it, it was safe, and, and, and we had a ball. So, hopefully, all you guys had a happy and safe fourth and, uh, and be well out there. Um, and we will see you all next week. This has been the Believe in 49ers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. For Super Bowl champion Eric Davis, I'm Rashawn Haylock. Y'all be well. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.